You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Uh, If you guys want to go ahead and turn to Philippians 4, that's where we'll start this morning. Uh, First off, it's, it's after, but still, happy Thanksgiving. I hope it was wonderful for all of you. Uh, I hope you guys had a wonderful uh, just time off and time with family and friends and, and enjoyed yourselves. Uh, we got to be in, uh, we, have, we have family. My uncle lives just outside of Marble Falls. If you've been to Marble Falls, it's gorgeous. It's got this awesome lake. And so my family, because there's 15 of us now, when I moved out here, when Sarah and I moved out here, there were seven of us, including Sarah. There are now 15 of us, which is just so fun. So we've doubled in size, and I love it. But with that comes a, a need for our own space because we click, quickly take over anybody else's space. So we, my parents just had this, my mother had a beautiful and amazing idea of renting a lake house on Lake LBJ, which is like the most gorgeous lake I've ever, I mean, it's pretty cool, all right? I've been to Lake Victoria and Kenya, and that's probably the most gorgeous lake, but this was a close second, okay? Um, mainly just because of the houses uh, that were out there. And it was really fun to recognize that I couldn't afford a cardboard box and a dock out at that place. It wouldn't matter if it was a cardboard box with a window and a floating piece of wood as a dock. Still couldn't afford it, but it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. I know a lot of people are still traveling, so we're just praying for them. Uh, but this morning, the Lord, as I've... Had this time away, and I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking, and it's, it's hard to get a moment of, of peace when you're with 15 people, and you don't really want a moment of peace because you want to see these people that you haven't seen forever. Um, but in that time, I was really just thinking about this holiday, and, and I want to I preach on this holiday a little bit. I know we're after it, but I want to preach specifically on Thanksgiving, not, not just the holiday, but, but Thanksgiving itself. Uh, Thanksgiving, we know this. This is a celebration, an opportunity to look at all that we have to be thankful for. This is what we do, right? When I was a kid and we sat at the Thanksgiving table, I used to be so annoyed by this, but my mom would make us go around and say a few things that we were thankful for. I don't know why I was annoyed by that, but I was. I was a teenager. I was annoyed by anything that my parents requested of me. I guess that's just the way it goes. Um, But we would go around this. I know a lot of you have done this and maybe still do this. Just go around and talk about what you're thankful for. And we do this. We, we talk about the things that we're thankful for around this holiday. But to be thankful, church, is, is not to be a once-a-year, one-day affair. And unfortunately, in our society, it is a once-a-year, one-day affair. As, as a whole, we are thankful. And it just seems like to only be on the day that we gather for Thanksgiving. As a, as a whole, as a society. We've got these parades, we've got all this stuff, and everybody's positive and everybody's happy. It's like Christmas, the this, this season of giving. Why is there a season of giving? Why is there not a life of giving? Why is there not a life of thankfulness? Uh, Philippians 4, verse 5. Or verse 4, I'm sorry, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Do, do you all remember what rejoice means? It means to cause joy, to stir up joy. So that means to rejoice is to make a choice to be joyful. And if you make that choice, others around you will fall into that choice. 
They will step into it without it even being their choice. Because you made the choice, others will be affected by that choice. I love that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Sorry, it's Sarah's first day back there. Not really. Sarah's the only reason we have this stuff up here. Anyways, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Have we paid attention to that tail end of that verse? Really paid attention to it? What is, that, what is the main word? It talks about peace, and peace is important, but what is peace going to do? It is going to guard you. It is going to guard you. That's important to recognize. That's important for us to see. But the other thing that's important, this came from the Wilkes family. Uh, I, f- I forget her name every time. I know it before I get up here. No, the daughter. Rayleigh. Rayleigh, thank you. Golly, I do this every time. But Rayleigh got up here several years ago. It just gave testimony of what the Lord was doing in her through nursing school at, at Baylor and, and, and stepping into clinicals and all that stuff. And she talked about this verse. And she said something so quickly, uh, she just breezed by it. I, it. You could tell that she, this was just common knowledge to her. She thought every, everyone knew this, but it wasn't for me. It blew my mind. She talked about this verse. and She talked about the worries that she had and sharing that with the Lord. <coughs> and she reminded us, that in order to access that peace, you must first find your place, yourself in a place of thankfulness. That thanksgiving, the thankfulness was what unlocked the release of peace, was what allowed you to step into the peace that surpasses all understanding. Is that peace waiting and being guarded from us? No. No. Because that peace guards our minds and our hearts, meaning that when we are thankful. We position ourselves in a place to where we can see and step into this, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And she said this so quickly and it blew my mind because I had never for a second. What do we do when we read this verse? We immediately get anxious. We think about all the things that makes us, makes us anxious and we start praying to God about our anxieties. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And then in that making our requests known to the Lord, we think that the peace that surpasses understanding is going to come. We forget that thankfulness part. It's really easy to leave it out. And unfortunately, it is so crucial to stepping into the peace that surpasses all understanding. Thankfulness unlocks peace. Two things the world needs is to be thankful, to live thankful, and to be saturated in peace. We do not have a thankful culture. And we do not have a peaceful culture. There, there, and it's funny because there were two messages that I heard this morning before we got up here or before I came up here to speak and and Carrie's prayer and then in Sarah's word and Carrie the word gratitude gratitude is thankfulness it's being grateful for what for what is around you what you have who you have that's that's is gratitude and then peace and Sarah talked about peace and um recognize too There are lives attached to our obedience and our disobedience, okay? And if we are coming to the Lord with heaviness, this is exactly where you need to be if you're heavy. Come to the Lord. 
But if you just come to the Lord to white-knuckle your heaviness and prevent Him from taking that which is not yours, because heaviness is not meant for you. Jesus paid a price to take that from you, that you would not have to live in that. But if you come to the cross, white-knuckling your heaviness and your burdens and your anxieties and your strife and your turmoil, you are hindering what the Spirit of God is trying to do to your neighbor and those around you. We need to understand that. We can help or we can hinder. It's important to recognize that. We live in a culture that has so lost the understanding of consequences. Consequences existed in the Bible. We are here. The fall of man existed as a result of a consequence. And he was a good, good father. How many times have we as parents, we do this all the time, right? We just like, our kids do something and it's like, I'll let it slide this time, right? I'll let it slide. But then what happens the next time? That, that letting it slide once normally bites you in the butt, right? And we live in a society that their structure for discipline is, ah, just let it slide. They won't do it again. And we've got kids dropping in bathrooms on drugs. We've got horrible testimony, horrible stories that our kids are experiencing right now because they have no understanding of consequences but consequences don't go away because we live in this fairy tale world where, oh, there's no consequences. No, they will find them. And they'll either be prepared to handle those or they won't be. And what we're seeing right now is a lot of our world is not prepared to handle the consequences of our choices and our actions. And we as a church need to recognize that that exists in here too. We think that we can come to the Lord however we want to come, demand whatever we want to demand, and that He's just going to do it and He's going to move and everybody's going to be blessed and, and experience the presence of God. No, if I come in here with my agenda, my will, and He will yield to me because in that place, I'm placing myself above Him. I'm sitting in the throne of my own story and He's bowing to me. you got to recognize that's what you're doing when you say the Lord needs to do this. The Lord needs to be this. The Lord needs to show up like this. And the consequences to that is that the people that need him, that need an encounter with him, could be robbed of that because of your white knuckling things that do not belong to you. we got to understand the consequences, church. Okay, that's a side tangent, but we need to understand that going forward. There are consequences to our actions. Two things the world needs is to be thankful and saturated in peace. We live in a society that has programmed thankfulness to be something tied to an event or an object. So along with happiness, it's fleeting, right? What's that, that famous phrase? Money doesn't buy happiness. That is, that is wrong. It's wrong. Money doesn't buy joy. Money buys happiness. Money buys happiness. Just ask your kids if they're happy on Christmas morning. They're going to be happy because your money bought them some stuff. They wanted it. They're pumped, right? You get a, you get a 16-year-old a new car. They're not, a new car, man. No, they're pumped. They're happy. They're happy. But what's the issue with happiness? It's fleeting. So what do you got to do? You got to buy something else. Then you got to buy something else. You got to buy something else. We have, we have placed thanksgiving, thankfulness in that same place. We have tied it to an event, an object, a singular moment in which we can be thankful, and other than that, we live without thankfulness. So it's very easy to have a holiday around Thanksgiving, and that be the one day a year that we truly wake up thankful and go to bed thankful. 
And that's a problem. Because there's 364 more days that still need a thankful people within it. Because there's still a world that needs peace. And one day of being thankful is not going to change the world and saturate it in peace. That's not what it's going to do. We've got to recognize that. Along with happiness, we have made it in our culture, we have made thank, thankfulness fleeting. But the thing that we need to recognize, and this has been a trend, this has been a word that we've talked about several weeks, is that thankfulness is a choice, and it always has been. It has always been a choice. It has always been within your power to choose it or not. And we've got to remember the free will part in this salvation story. Christ set you free. Not that you would, not that you would be indoctrinated and programmed to only say yes to Him. Because what kind of love is that? He wanted, he wanted to set you free so that you could arrive at a place where you chose Him or you didn't. But the freedom is still yours. And if you are alive in Christ and you know, you got to recognize for freedom He set us free. Who is freedom? Jesus is freedom. If all things are made for Him and through Him, then can you experience freedom without Him? No. It's bondage that we've disguised as freedom without Jesus. It's just bondage. When was the last time turmoil felt really great? It doesn't. And you find that when you're doing your own thing. You find yourself in those places when you've left what He has for you to pursue what you have for you. You will always find yourself in those places. But He has set us free. We have been set free and every day we are presented a choice. And so, so many of us Christians, we, get, we just kind of slip into this mindset that every day and everything about our day has already been predetermined. So I just, I just got to move through it. I just got to live in it. I don't have any say. I have small say, but what life is just going to happen. It's just going to work out it, or it's just not going to work out. And we live with this predetermined thinking that there's no choice, that it's not. And this is the heart of that. It's not on me. Your life is on you. It is. It's your responsibility. Yours and yours alone. No one else is coming to work it out for you. Your choices are your own. This life is your own. And there are choices each and every day that you get to make. Whether you, if you, if you say, ah, oh, well, that is predetermined. Somebody else is going to work. That's a choice that you've made. You've chosen. So many of us have chosen to be apathetic in the day-to-day things that we could choose, that we could step into, that we could say yes to. We've chosen apathy. And so things have happened towards us, but it was because you chose to be in the place that you chose to stay in. We've got to recognize that. We choose this all the time. We do this all the time. When I choose to be a lazy parent, my kids suffer. And the things that happen afterwards are my fault. It's on me. But I've affected their life because I chose to be lazy. But it's not like this. I can't get mad at Liam if he punches his brother and I'm like, eh. Now he does it again. Makes him bleed that time. Like, why would you do that? It's like, I did it in front of you and you didn't care. That's why I did it. Because I didn't know where the line was. You just let it happen. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing as a society and this is what we're doing as Christians. There is a choice to be made. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days 
are evil. You have a choice on how you live your day, how you live your life, what you do with your days and what you do with every moment where you are presented a choice. This passage implies the choices that we have each and every day. We can choose to live for the betterment of the kingdom or we can choose to buy into what the world is doing. But when you make this choice to be thankful daily, you will begin to see the world around you differently. We say this all the time. And I pray this all the time. I pray this every Monday morning when I'm in uh, the prayer meeting with the administrators across the street at the school. And Monday morning, we've been doing that for eight years. And 99% of the time when when I end that prayer, I ask the Lord to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And I had this revelation this, this weekend uh, off uh, doing Thanksgiving things and thinking about that. Eyes to see and ears to hear. Well, how does one have eyes to see and ears to hear? You've got to position yourself in a place to see and you've got to position yourself in a place to hear. Okay, how does one do that? And the Lord's like, be thankful. And he starts reminding me of passages throughout Scripture. And we're going to read several of these. Uh, but what I've found to be true and what I've, this, this new place that I'm in right now, I don't believe that you can have eyes to see and ears to hear if you do not have a thankful heart. You will miss what the Lord is doing if you do not have gratitude that is overflowing out of you. Does that mean that there are bad days? Yes, there are still going to be bad days. But those days... Do those days not make you appreciate all the more the good, the good days that you have? The good ones? The really, really good ones? I've been thinking about this a lot because I've got this, uh, these three beautiful kids and one is eight. And he doesn't want daddy to hold him anymore. And one is five. And he'll still take cuddles because he's just, he's a softie and I love it. He's the best. Uh, but He's also too big for me to just lug around and carry with him resting on my shoulder. And then I've got this one-year-old little girl. She's it. Like that's, that's the last one that I get to just cuddle and that runs to me and just lays her head and she still fits, right, without me just looking ridiculous because I'm dangling someone that's nearly as tall as me. But, and I was realizing this as I was walking around because... We've got all these people. We're at my uncle's house for Thanksgiving, and there's tons of people there, and she just wants to be held. And it's like, is this going to be one of those things where I'm like, I really don't, come on. Like, I want to have adult conversations, or am I going to enjoy this moment that I don't get again? It's going to be gone. There's difficult things, but in those difficult things, you realize the, the value of each and every moment, of precious moments, and you're thankful. Because I, I, I look back at Liam, and what do you think I regret? I should have held him more. I should have held him more. I shouldn't have forced him to grow up as fast. If he didn't want to walk till he was two years old, then he didn't walk till he was two years old. Who cares? Two-year-olds get into nothing but trouble when they're walking anyways. I'm just saving myself heartbreak and destruction in my household, right? And so there's moments like this. It, all that to say, the dark days, because we know, no one in here is foolish enough to think that dark days don't come for us all. We have dark days. But they are, there is an opportunity for us to recognize how good life is. 
how wonderful and beautiful life can be. Matthew 5, 32 through 39. Sorry, Matthew 15, 32 through 39 says, Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven, and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And after sending away the crowds, he got into the boat and went on to the region of Megadon. One thing that's really cool to recognize about that passage is that these people waited for, they, these people sat with Jesus for three days. Thousands of people sat with Jesus for three days in, in discomfort, in a desolate place. And, and the Lord prof, just does this profound and amazing miracle, feeds all these thousands upon thousands of people, 4,000 men besides women and children. So thousands upon thousands of people all were satisfied after three days of not eating. They were satisfied. There was enough. You've got to recognize this about the goodness of God. When He blesses you, He doesn't bless you with what you need. He blesses you until you are satisfied. And there's always an abundance. You hear what I'm saying? This is a God that we serve. He is a God of abundance. He will bless you with abundance over and over and over again. Luke twenty-two fourteen. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table, for the Son of Man goes as it, ha- goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed." And they began to question one another, which, is, which of them it could have been, and who was going to do this. And then one more passage, a little bit longer, Acts 27, 13. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along uh, Creta. Crete, close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along, running under the lee of a small island called uh, Coda. We managed with difficulty to, to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergrid 
The ship, then fearing that they would run aground on the Cerritus. I read these before I get up here. Okay? In my head, I can pronounce them. Something about my tongue and my mind are like, nah. This is funnier for them if we pretend like you don't know how to read. Okay? So my body has betrayed me for your sake. So be grateful. They lowered the gear and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail to Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of, of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with him. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that I will be exactly as I have been told, that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. When the 14th night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. A little farther on, they took a sounding again and found 15 fathoms. And fearing they might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in that ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Those that I have seen on this earth, that I have seen, that I've, that I've read, but that I have physically seen, who are profound when it comes to their, their knowledge and understanding of the kingdom, and it's profound the depth of relationship that they have with God, to where you just listen to them talk about the Lord and you realize they're talking about the Lord in a degree that I have not yet wandered into. They know Him deep, 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 deep. And with all of these people in, in, in this passage here with Jesus and Paul that we see, thankfulness is a choice that they continuously make till one day they just don't make it anymore. It's just the life that they live. They are just thankful people. Every one of those people that I have met, they are just thankful people. Uh, one of the 
leaders I look to in ministry, one of his things that he's told his staff when they have a problem, when they have something unexpected or unfortunate that happens, they don't ever say. They are not allowed to say and come to him, we have a problem. They are only allowed to come to him and say, we have an opportunity. And it has changed the culture in such a way that when something goes uh, wrong, the, the plan doesn't work out or something unexpected comes up, the people of this church get so excited because they now recognize that they have an opportunity to see the Lord be who He is and provide for them and work on their behalf and perform a miracle and do what only He can do. So they're so grateful, they're so thankful for even the hard moments because they know the Lord is going to show up. The Lord is going to do a profound and amazing thing. Stepping into thankfulness. It does something in the spiritual realm and shifts the atmosphere around us. And we must be a church that has stepped into thankfulness. We must step into it. So much of the kingdom is revealed to us when we rest in thankfulness. This peace that surpasses understanding will guard your heart and will guard your minds. The peace we see in Paul and in Jesus, their minds were guarded. How many of you would preach for three days straight perform miracles, healing people left and right, thousands upon thousands upon thousands to where there's a line that forms to meet with you and that line never gets shorter. How many of you could stand in that for three days and then afterwards refuse to send them away hungry and step into an opportunity for the Lord to do what only the Lord can do? But we've got to understand this about who Jesus is. And in Paul, on a ship, that he warned them, like, we don't need to leave right now. This is going to be bad. But they do it anyways. And they do this anyways. And they're all 275 people on this ship are expecting the worst. They have give, Can you imagine being in a room with 275 people and you're the only one with hope? How many of you would hold fast to hope? Or how many of you would be among those people? Those, those men. It's hopeless. But why, how was Jesus, how was Jesus able to, to see as the Lord saw and hear what the Lord was saying in these moments? How did Paul say so steadfast in what the Lord had called him to do, trusting the vision and having eyes to see and ears to hear what the Lord is going to do and not allowing the circumstances to dictate the reality of his situation? And as I was reading this, the Lord's, they, they remained in this place of thankfulness. Thankful to God. Thankful for who He is. Thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus. Thankful for His presence. Thankful for His anointing on their lives. Thankful for choosing Him. Jesus is at His last meal before He is about to suffer more than anyone has suffered. To be tortured and crucified and humiliated. To have His, his clothing which probably, which wasn't extravagant, but to just have his clothing at his feet on the cross and to watch people casting lots to see who got to take it home to further mock him. To have people say and to shout out loud, he can save so many, the son of God, but he can't save himself. To mock him like this. And to stay in this place because what is Jesus' response? Forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm telling you right now, church, we have negated and we have minimized the power of a thankful person. 
And what I see consistently through these passages and throughout Scripture is the one that remains thankful is the one who has access to the kingdom of God to do profound and miraculous things. The kingdom of God flows to those who live and stay in this place of thankfulness. This place of peace. And the thing about peace is it's not a blind peace. We often think of it as this blanket that just comes over our eyes and we just have this euphoric feeling of peace. That's, that's not what it is. Peace brings understanding. And you know what brings even more peace is seeing Him move on your behalf. Seeing Him answer a prayer. Seeing Him work for you and not against you. That brings peace. A fresh word from the Lord brings peace. We've seen all these things in Scripture this morning. The choice to be thankful positions us in a place where the Lord is in charge, not us, places us in His will and not our own. And there is peace in His will. There is clarity in His will. There is joy in His will. And there is the miraculous in His will. I have eyes to see when I'm thankful. I have ears to hear when I'm thankful. And what is the opposite of peace? Worry, strife, shaking. Peace is associated with stillness. The opposite is associated with the shakiness, right? Feeling your world crumble around you, the anxiety, the turmoil. That's the opposite of peace. But if you have eyes to see, ears to hear, and understanding of how the Lord is moving, of who He is, of not even knowing how He's moving, I'm telling you right now, I don't know exactly what He's doing in this city. I know a little bit, but I don't know all that He's doing in Sundown, Texas. I don't know all that He has planned for this church. But I do know that He's good. And that He's for us and not against us. I can see that clearly and easily when I stay in a place of thankfulness, thankfulness, of thanksgiving. When I remain in that place and do not allow myself to depart from it, I have that understanding and there is peace. And that peace will guard my mind from the turmoil that the enemy would like me to step into. Thankfulness will keep you anchored in His will. So we must be a people that choose to be thankful. That look at all that He has done for us, how He has cared for us, how His goodness has chased us. Uh, after even the darkest of nights, His goodness has pursued us. And he has, been, he has been there and He has been for you. And He who has given you the seal of heaven, the authority of the kingdom, the Holy Spirit has placed you here in Sundown, Texas and in this house right now. And we must be thankful because He makes beautiful things. He has not placed you here to bring about horrific things, but to bring about beautiful things in you and through you. But you will not see those beautiful things if you are not thankful. I'm telling you right now, I've learned this. My, my daughter has taught me this more than anyone on this earth, what it is to be thankful. Because when I'm thankful, I recognize all the precious moments. Not just the one. Not just the here and there. I see all the precious moments. All the precious moments. Uh, and I get to be a part of those precious moments that keeps me present. It allows me to see the hand print of God in my story and how He's working, how He's moving for me. This thankfulness, it unlocks so much more than we could ever imagine. 
He will make beautiful things out of dust and out of us. Amen. But we have got to be a people who remain in a place of thankfulness. And it's, church, it is not as hard to do as the world has made it seem, as even we may feel. To be thankful is it's, it's really not that hard. Just stop for a second. Just allow yourself a moment to think about all the good things in your life. I mean, even the little things. You had clothes to put on this morning. You had a car that started when you turned the key. You know what's funny to me is I, I think about this a lot with, with little kids. Um, we've got, I've got a little niece named Ada, my sister Paige, her, her firstborn. Um, precious little thing. I, precious, precious hefty thing. Her dad's like 6'8 and her mom's 5'10. So she's not a tiny baby. She's all there. She's four months old and she's, she almost weighs as much as Eden. Okay, so she's like, she's ready, right? Um, but they're, they're showing her pictures of herself, right? Like she's playing with a phone. She's looking at herself and Eden, I've told you guys, this is a mastermind of hacking and she gets into everybody's cell phones, not just mine. We found out this weekend, it's any cell phone she can unlock um, and do wonderful things with. Uh, but she, she'll put it on the camera and she'll, she'll see herself. And I've been to places in the world where I've taken pictures of, of kids and I've shown them the picture and that was the first time they ever saw what they looked like. Can you imagine such a thing? To, to be 15 and have never seen clearly besides in a reflection of muddy water what you look like? That's almost an unperceivable concept. Like I can't even wrap my head fully around that. But that is something to be thankful for. I'm thankful, I'm thankful for that little stuff. I'm thankful for a mirror, right? It shows me when I got stuff in my teeth before I come preach to you, right? Because I'm not going to be able to speak, so the least thing I can do is have clean teeth, okay? And it's just little... I'm, I say that to just tell you it's little things. This morning it was cold. And I didn't have one jacket. I had multiple. And I got to pick one. That's something to be thankful for. So it's the smallest of things. But also the biggest of things. I'm thankful for this house. I'm thankful for you people that are here. I'm thankful for this community. And I'm thankful for what the Lord is going to do in this city. Church, it's not hard to be thankful. The world says it's hard. The world says it's a difficult thing, a difficult place to remain in. It's not. Be the difference. We need to be a thankful people because that is desperately what this world needs. It needs to see thankfulness every day, not just one day. And when we do this, we choose thankfulness. You will affect those around you. And all of a sudden, so many of us, not just a few of us, but so many of us will have peace guarding our hearts and minds. And we will have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Lord is doing. And there will be understanding. And if there's understanding, there's never turmoil. If there's clarity, there's always peace. Could you imagine living every day full of peace? That's what Jesus died on the cross for you to experience. He didn't die on the cross for you to have peace every now and then. He died on the cross for you to have peace everlasting. But we've got to do what's necessary to step into it every day. Be thankful. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.